Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. Amen. May the Lord say well done to us at the end of our race. Amen. Thank you so much, worship team, for leading us. Amen. Well done, worship team. Amen. Mori Mori. So, Mori Mori is uh, the Ghanaian good morning. Mori. Fine Mori. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and for your kindness. We thank you that we are your children. (laughs) We thank you. We thank you. It's a privilege we don't take for granted. Thank you, Jesus. And as we gather at your feet this blessed morning, we pray that you speak to us. And Father, we pray for grace to do what we hear. So we won't just be hearers of your word, but doers. Because it's in the doing that your power is made manifest. Grant us grace to do. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. We are still in the Happy New Year season. Maybe in the the, the fading aspects of the Happy New Year season. We are in a new year. Amen. And this year, a lot of people didn't make any serious resolutions. (laughs) Because 2020 2020 showed them (laughs) that, (laughs) as they say in Ghana, man proposes and God disposes. (laughs) Hey, it is well. 2020. That was a tough year in many ways. Amen. Today I was looking at the church and how we've spaced the seats and the number and how we tell our senior citizens how we tell our senior citizens to to stay at home and not come because all that. And before COVID, you know, normally we'll be happy hugging each other and the place will be full and this and we're so excited. And then COVID happened. I want to give the kids an essay, you know that begins or ends with and then COVID happened (laughs) I'd like to hear what they write from their from their own experiences but this morning I want to talk about how God is equipping us for this year, amen we began by saying that this is a year where we're going to go deeper in him we're going to go so deep in him that we won't be distracted by the storms in case there are storms, amen that we won't be distracted by the rains in case there are rains. We won't be distracted by the blessings in case there are blessings. The Bible says the wise man builds his house on a rock and then the rains came. The rains in scripture always signify blessings. Too many people lose their faith because they got blessed. All of a sudden, they have so much money, they need a special seat in church. They can't afford to spend two hours or one hour on Sunday because they have very busy appointments. It's not only 
disasters or pandemics that draw people away from God. Sometimes blessings do that too. So King David prayed and said, don't make me too rich and don't make me too poor. Because if you make me too poor, I might curse you. And if you make me too rich, I might forget you. Give me just enough. Amen. Grant me contentment. Hallelujah. And this morning, I want us to talk about contentment. I think many times it is the, the superpower that many of us don't realize we are supposed to have. Contentment is the state of being happy, being fully satisfied with what you already have. Amen. It is the state of being able to say, this is enough. This is sufficient for me. I'm, I'm okay with this. Amen. The Bible speaks a lot about contentment. In fact, right from the book of Genesis chapter 3, I mean, Genesis chapter 1, creation happens. Atto, sit down. I don't want to see you moving again. Uh, that's my son. <laughs> I'm not content with his behavior. <laughs> you know, but right in Genesis, God creates this beautiful world, and then he creates humankind. He puts them in a very beautiful garden. All their needs are met. Everything they will ever need is supplied. They had natural resources like gold and everything, and they didn't even need it. They had more than enough. And then in chapter 3 of Genesis, a voice comes and says, do you know you can have more? This voice comes and tells this person who has everything, who has been gifted a planet, and tells the person, do you know you can be wiser do you know you can be better? Do you know you deserve more? And that seed of discontent was sown in the heart of humankind. So in the garden, humankind betrayed God over an apple, even though they'd been gifted a planet. <laughs> so you look at the size of a planet. And God said, everything, have dominion over everything in this planet. It's yours. And then we traded a planet for an apple. And this is something King Solomon also talks about in the book of Ecclesiastes. He calls this discontent in our hearts that keeps pushing us to trade what we have for what we think is better the chasing after the wind. And the problem with chasing after the wind is that even when you succeed, all you have is wind. <laughs> and many times when we look at what it costs us <laughs> to lay hold on that wind, it's always a tragedy. Just as it was a tragedy in the garden, having a heart that is discontent is always a tragedy. But, but discontent isn't always about the promise of tomorrow. It isn't always about the greener pasture. 
discontent isn't always about what is beautiful ahead. Sometimes discontent is also about or is rooted in what we left behind. What we left behind. Amen. So in the book of First Samuel, chapter 19, let's see if I can read that quickly. First Samuel 19. Okay, first Samuel 19. This is when David, a poor shepherd boy, has found, uh, woven his way into royalty and has married the love of his life, Michal, the daughter of Saul the king. So now he was a part of the royal family. But he wasn't a very, very welcome member, a welcomed member of the family. And his father-in-law is trying to kill him. And <laughs> I think Siri, Siri is also busy talking over there. So First Samuel chapter 19 verse 11 says, Then Saul sent troops to watch David's house. They were told to kill David when he came out the next morning. But Michal, David's wife, warned him, If you don't escape tonight... You'll be dead by morning. So she helped him climb out through a window, and he fled and escaped. And I wish that the writer had continued verse 12 with, So she helped him climb out through a window, and he fled and escaped from the love of his life. <laughs> but of course, that's not what was written. But that is exactly what happened. David escaped and left his wife behind. And later on, he will marry many women. Later on, he will be king, not over one kingdom. He will be king over two kingdoms. He will have everything he ever needed. And yet, he couldn't let go because his father-in-law took his, his wife and gave her to another man. And as is the problem with discontent, because we can't let go of the past, what happens in David's case is that when he reconnects with her after forcibly taking her from her new husband and leaving that home broken and that man heartbroken, the man only turned away in 2 Samuel chapter 3 because he was afraid for his life. But Palti followed after his wife crying for her as David <laughs> took his, the love of his life back. He discovered that the girl she had been when he married her and the woman she had become were two different people. Many times, our memories of the past tends to be a bit more glorified than the reality of it was when we were living it. We see this also in the lives of the Israelites when they were telling Moses, why did you bring us into this wilderness? When we were in Egypt, life was so good. We were eating <laughs> fruits and pomegranates and and you know <laughs> and Moses was shocked <laughs> you were eating what where we call that the good old days we all like to talk about the good old days hey do you remember the good old days when we used to you know and sometimes or most of us joke about the good old days but some people actually can't get past the good old days. 
and then they find themselves living with discontent. Amen. Now, the problem with discontent in this respect, whether it is somebody who is stuck back in time because they can't let go of something that was good in their past, or somebody who is fixed on, do you know you, can, you deserve better, more beautiful, more glorious, is that they always miss out on the present. Amen. This content promises you a future that you don't have yet or gets you trapped in the past that is actually past. And one thing it does all the time is it robs you from seeing the blessing in your now. Amen. So the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, his son in Christ, somebody he has been discipling. And in 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 6, from verse 6, he writes to him in that letter. We don't know how many letters Paul wrote to Timothy, but we know two survived. And we call them First and Second Timothy. Very creative of us. <laughs> but he writes to him, and in chapter 3, verse 6, sorry, chapter 6, verse 6, he tells Timothy that true godliness, says, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Other version says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen. This version, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, it says, it is great wealth. Amen. It isn't just wealth. The person who has the ability to look at what they have in their hand, just like the prophet Eli Elisha asked the woman who went to see him in 2 Kings chapter 4, says, what do you have in your hand? What do you have in your house? He says, oh, just a little. Oh, not much. Nothing at all. <laughs> the apostle Paul says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. And then he continues and he says, After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world. And we can't take anything with us when we leave. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Amen. So this is the criteria for, for being content. Do you have enough food? Do you have enough food? Are you worried about what you'll eat after church? Like you're so broke, you don't know how you're going to find your next meal. Do you find yourself in that state? <laughs> or you're probably worrying about how many calories are in your next meal. Like you're not worried about what to eat. You're just counting the calories <laughs> and, and checking... <laughs> Are you worried what you wear? Did you have to go and borrow clothing to be here? Okay, so basically the Apostle Paul is saying that all of us in this room, all of us, have absolutely no right to be anxious. We have absolutely no right to be discontent because we have enough. Amen. He says, we have enough. He says, so if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. And then he continues in verse 9 and says, but people 
who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Amen. This is sad to read, and yet a reality we contend with. As we wrap up today's sermon, I want to take us to Ecclesiastes, the wisest man that ever lived, King Solomon. He was so wise, he decided to marry 300 wives, have 700 concubines, so that he can tell us all is vanity. Be content with just one. <laughs> but some people insist they also want to find out for themselves if all of that is truly vanity. Hey, where is Ecclesiastes? Okay, I found it. Amen. So in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, King Solomon creates, paints three pictures from verse 4. So these are three different types of people. This is the first person. He says, then I observed, this is verse 4 of Ecclesiastes chapter 4. He says, then I observed that most people are motivated to succeed because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. So this is the first person. This is a very motivated person. This is a very ambitious person. You know, we sat him down and said, listen, welcome. We're happy to have you in this company. Do you know if you work really hard, you can become a supervisor in the next year? In fact, if you try much harder, you can become a senior supervisor in, in the next year. And this will be how much you get paid. And then you can. And then they buy into their dream. And now they are supervisor. Like, okay, do you know you can become a vice president in this company? If you work even much harder and much harder. And this person never starts to ask themselves, why? Why am I working so hard? Why am I... <laughs> not sleeping why am I killing myself for more and he says it's a, a problem of envy he envies his neighbor he sees what somebody else has or she sees what somebody else has and she wants that but today we have very nice words for them we call it ambition you know we call it having vision dreaming big there's a very secular song that has found its way into the church and is now treated as gospel when you dream, dream big as big as the ocean when you dream it might come true when you dream, dream big <laughs> it sounds very spiritual doesn't it and yet throughout scripture you discover that all the people God called and used, all the people who did amazing things, none of them sat down to dream. They didn't sit down to conjure this great vision they want to achieve for themselves. Anybody who did that, like Absalom, failed. Abraham was somewhere minding his business and God showed up and said, Abraham, I'm going to change your name to Abraham because I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Amen. 
Abraham was not the originator of that dream. Or God showing up to Joseph, you know, giving him dreams and saying the sun and the moon and the stars are going to bow before you. Joseph was not the originator of that dream. God was. Amen. David was in the forest or in the bush taking, tending his father's sheep when God sent the prophet Samuel to his father Jesse's house to anoint him as king. In fact, his own father had so little faith in him when he was told to line up his sons, he forgot he had a son called David. That was how insignificant that young man was. How, <laughs> how easily to forget he was. It was God who came to Jesse's house and said, David, I have chosen you to be king. Amen. So when you ask all those people, David, why are you running through the bush? Why are you fighting these battles? Why are you doing all that? David will tell you, because God called me to. Amen. This is his why. If you ask Abraham, Abraham, why are you not giving up? Why are you persisting? Why are you... He says, because God has called me to this. Amen. But when, like this man in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 4, when our motivation and our drive is because we want to be as good as our neighbor or better, that always ends up in discontentment. Amen. So that's the first person. This person is motivated to succeed because they envy their neighbor or their neighbors. And he says it is meaningless and it's like chasing after the wind. All you end up with is wind. And then verse 5 is the second person. He says fools fold their idle hands leading them to ruin. So this is the other person. This person has no ambition, no desire, no. They just tell stories and they laugh. Uh, they do nothing. If you go to my part of this country, they are very, very common. <laughs> Sit all day and chat. Uh, the place I'm dry. Oh, life now. What is life? You know, like. <laughs> and the Bible calls them fools because they are a waste of resource. <laughs> and they'll be held accountable. They are like the. The first servant who was given one talent. You know, God has a purpose for our lives and he expects us to fulfill them. Amen. And we shouldn't mistake that. We shouldn't mistake the holy drive to fulfill what God has called you to. We shouldn't mix that up with a spirit of discontentment that keeps pushing us to reach for more and for more and for more. Amen. Idleness, a life of not doing nothing with your life, is one that never glorifies Christ. You know, you know everything about everybody's business and you have no business. <laughs> you know. Verse 5 of Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says, Fools fold their idle hands and it leads them to ruin because they miss the planting season. You know, they only wake up around harvest because they see others harvesting and they're like, oh, I wish I had, I wish I had. And they are ruined. They miss great opportunities. And then there's this third person in verse 6. And he says, better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. Amen. This is the person who understands when it is enough. 
Amen. So they are not like the first person who just keeps going, keeps going because they want the latest, greatest, they want the better. They are trading their iPhone 12 for 13, even though 13 isn't out yet, and for 14 and this and that. And it's always the next, the next, the next, the next, the next, latest, greatest, ever, next certificate, every every day they are in school, and never reach. I'm not saying it's bad to be driven, but if you don't know when to stop, that's a problem. Amen. And if you can't genuinely have a godly why for the ambition, it's a problem. Amen. So it says, better to have one handful with quietness. And this is the measure of contentment. At what point do you lose your peace? You know, you can be in a job. These, these are very, the scriptures are very, very practical. You can be in a job where, yes, you're not paid a million dollars a month. You know, but when you go home, you sleep. You, know, you work just enough hours. You can have time for your family. If you have a family, you can have some time for yourself. And then, like, oh, you, know, you can do better. You listen to all this pep talk and all these motivational speakers. And then now you get promoted to a level in the same organization. And now you don't have time for yourself. You get home when all your children are asleep. And you wake up and leave before they wake up. So your children are being raised by strangers and it's just chasing after the wind. Sometimes, according to the wisest man who ever lived, it is better to have one handful to raise your home on one, one income because both of you sat down and said, listen, <laughs> the way we are both running around and running around and running around, if we are not careful, uh, this marriage isn't going to work. Our children are going to be strangers. So we'll just take one handful and have our peace. Then two handfuls with hard work. Two handfuls and no peace. You know? At what point do we draw a line? How much is enough? As we step into this new year, which we have already stepped into, it is very, very important to know when it is enough. Amen. Um, to be very, very practical, at some point in my marriage, we had to decide to do one handful. You know, even though my wife was better educated than me, somebody had to sacrifice. So I was doing the running around, and she was holding the fort. You know, and to many, many people, it sounded stupid. It's, it's very, very anti or anti-feminist to be a housewife nowadays or to be a house husband nowadays. I don't know what that is, that anti is, what kind of anti that will fit in. You know. But you should know your calling. Amen. All of these things are neither right nor wrong in themselves. You always have to check the motive and ask, why do I want to go out there? And if the reason is because you want to be better than your neighbors. If the reason is because somebody told you, do you know you deserve better and all that, you have to check the motive again. Because this content is like a bottomless well. You can never fill it. Amen. You can never ever fill it. But many times, as the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy and said, we already have enough. Amen. And it's very powerful to start from enough. 
a life that starts from enough. Like, okay, why do we want to do this? Is it because of the money? No, is it because of this? Oh, but it will add value to somebody else's life. It will do that. Okay, how best can we do this? And then you pace it and do it. Amen. Amen. You don't want to end up after chasing the wind <laughs> with nothing but air. Amen. Let's bow down our heads in prayer. Let's pray that the Lord himself will grant us wisdom, that he will help us in this new year to know when it is enough. Amen. And may he grant us the ability to question our motive, the, the reason for the drive. Maybe we grew up poor and we vowed, as for me and my children, we will never know poverty. Until now, even our doctors are warning us, be careful, be careful, you may end up with this. Be careful, be careful, like, oh, I need to go, I need to go. But how much is enough? When do we stop? This is where the Holy Spirit can help us. Amen. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. We pray for your grace. We pray for your mercy. And we pray for your help. These are not easy. We live in a time when you turn on TV, you turn on the computer, and somebody's always selling you better. Somebody's always offering you more. And Lord, help us. Help us to know when it is enough. Grant us a spirit of contentment. And may our choices please you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.